You are listening to Chthonia, the podcast of the Dark Feminine. Chthonia's logo was designed by J.R. Malpair. Background music is Phantasm by Kevin McLeod. Hello, and welcome to Chthonia. My name's Breach Burke. I'm your host. Um, and this week I'm doing something a little bit different. Um, this week our topic is going to be uh, Baba Yaga. Um, the uh, witch figure of uh, various uh, Slavic folklores. And with me actually to talk about Baba Yaga is uh, Dr. Joanna Madlock, who uh, teaches at Montclair State University, but um, has her own background that would, is very much, um, you know, that, you know, she has her own background that makes her um, uh, an interesting person to discuss this topic with. Joanna, why don't you tell us a little bit about your own uh, background with uh, Baba Yaga and with Slavic myths? Oh, hello. Uh, thank you, Bridget, for having me today. It's a real, real honor. And I'm very pleased to talk about stories of my childhood. Uh, I grew up in Poland, but in not in main part of Poland, but in Upper Silesia, where different traditions, uh, Polish, German, Czech, and Silesians mixed. So in many ways, these stories were stories of my childhood, very often told not as fairy tales as much as some sort of old beliefs that people seem to be turned into fairy tales, but in a strange way still believed to be affecting their lives. Uh, so I can give you an example. So let's say for the very first day of spring, in Poland, which used to be and still is a very Catholic country, we had actually, we, I mean all the kids, we had actually the day off. So that the first day of spring would be a celebration of spring for which you actually were prepared in school to celebrate how you were prepared. Uh, the days before this festival, we spent making effigies, like little dolls of hay, old drugs, and put them on a stick and make them really, really ugly, <laughs> too, which was not very difficult, given what kind of skills we had. And <laughs> we named them Majanna which is a real name, really. You can be called Marzena in Polish. And they were believed to represent an old witch. Okay, what does Marzena mean? Nothing. Nothing, okay. But it, there is a meaning, <laughs> there is a notion, like, linguistically, that it has something to do with the freeze, like Maros in Russian, Maros in Polish, which means is the freeze. It's a very low temperature. So having to do with coldness or maybe yes. with winter. Winter. So on this very first day of spring. spring, which was a day off, we took these effigies, these dolls. And even if I lived in the big city, it was like a mandatory to find some running water. Take this effigy with the entire class, like all the classmates and the teacher, presiding over this, take it to the water, burn it, and when it was still burning, throw it into the water. And it meant chasing the winter away. 
It's what it sounds like, yeah. Which is really, really, really similar to Valpurgis night in all the Germanic cultures when you burn uh, bonfires to chase the winter away and to burn the winter away. And this was strongly associated with the idea that in this way, we not only chase the winter away, but we chase the darkness away. That now, from now on, because we lived in darkness, the winter was usually very dark and gloom, now it's going to be fine, because there's going to be light, flowers, little animals, and there's going to be spring and, and Easter, and everything is going to be fine. Because before that, we really didn't know, because it was the period when the dark forces real, uh, ruled our, our lives. It's interesting, yeah, because the, the, the sort of seasonal aspect to that, um, it reminds me actually of the Brijog, speaking of the goddess that I'm named for, um, in Ireland, because they do the same thing. They would create a sort of uh, doll out of rushes, which that's what it was called, the Brijog. And, um, and there were certain rites that had to do with carrying the winter out or carry, you know, and this, of course, is in February, which is where you really see the first light. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it, it's just quite interesting how, how that um, driving away of the darkness is interpreted in, in, in both cultures. Um, I think um, with regard to, to Baba Yaga, the, the one story that I have, uh, the, the one, of the one, one of the main stories that I have is the one of uh, Vasilisa the Beautiful. Um, now, do you, do you know this one, or do you, do you, do you want to tell this one, actually? Oh, there are so many versions of it okay. that I would not dare to tell the original Russian story. It's okay, we can mm -hmm. have a condensed summary. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so all these versions, all this would, could be summarized uh, in a sort of a pattern. So there is like a template for two Baba Yagas, or, you know, like even a witch general witch story about somebody who is moved away from civilization because Baba Yaga is really a force of nature. So the typical Baba Yaga would live far away from the people. <clears throat> and the question is naturally why would she live far away from the people? Why, why is she in the woods? Because Baba Yaga, the Slavic Baba Yaga, lives in the woods, which is obviously associated with the nature of the way how the Slavic people lived. There are many woods around, right? So it's kind of easy to remove somebody from the village, from the hamlet, to the woods. And not only she would live in the woods, but she would live far away from the beaten path. So you have to find her. You literally, you literally like to find her, you have to get lost. You cannot go there, like find a way. You have to get lost and stumble upon this place. So it's more or less like this place finds you, then you find it. That's fascinating. But anyway, go ahead. And the house of Baba Yaga was typically built like a little hut on a chicken leg, mm -hmm. which means it can move on itself, which means it can really find its way into woods by itself. Not only it can move, but it can spin, which I always found the most fascinating. It can spin in place. So the spinning for me is a total confusion because if you spin, you can lose balance. And it's like spinning and whenever it faces, it can walk that way. Uh, so it's very mobile. So thinking about it, 
If you think about, uh, and Bridget, please interrupt me if I'm getting off the topic. If you think about where you would place your typical witch, or in this case, Baba Yaga is very similar to the Western witch, I would say. Uh, she's always in the woods. Think about the wizard. Mm-hmm. He's always among the people. And actually people like him, like to have him around. And he can even be on the payroll right like uh, living in a castle and the prince would go and consult him or the king would go and consult him in the case of the witch you cannot go and consult them unless you have a very very bad business and at least in western stories you would put on your cloak and nobody would be able to recognize you because if you go to a witch if you go to a baba yaga it means you have some bad business in mind like getting some poison or maybe a love potion, but this is also breaking a taboo. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to finding Baba Yaga, in most of the stories, only the innocent can find her. So you go to the woods, you get lost, and then the house appears in the front of you. And in most of the stories, actually girls find Baba Yaga. And these girls, very often they have some agenda. So they're looking for something. But it depends what they're looking for. If they're looking for some sort of a gain, they're doomed from the very beginning. So your search should be more or less selfless. Uh, or you are sent there because you don't have another choice. This is like life and death situation. Like the Vasilisa story where the, it's the, um, the evil stepmother who sends her, you know, where I, we don't have a light and the stepsisters. So you must go get a light from Baba Yaga. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it could be something else. Uh, something like the evil stepmother wants to get rid of you. Mm-hmm. So they sent this girl, usually innocent and beautiful, to bring something absolutely impossible, like wild strawberries in February. Right, right. Right? So they know they are doomed and they absolutely have nothing to gain. They just want to survive. And because they just want to survive, this Baba Yaga image appears to them as a sort of force of nature. And this encounter can go good or bad, as we all know in nature, right? Things can happen. Right. There's no, it's not either good or evil, just sort of by association. It's good or evil. Um, it, it, yeah, that, and that's kind of my point. It's mm-hmm. not so much that it's good or evil. It's just the outcome can go either way, depending on your intention and on what the natural forces, you know, which are unpredictable, mm-hmm. how they will go. Yes. Mm-hmm. And... How this specific character who is encountering Baba Yaga reacts to her is very meaningful. Because Baba Yaga, as a typical witch in this way, appears to humans as a repulsive character. She's usually old, and I would like to talk about this more, what this old age means here. Uh, it's uh, The stories were formed on the border between patriarchal and matriarchal cultures. So the old woman really doesn't have anything to offer to patriarchal world, so she's removed. Mm-hmm. She's 
not pretty any longer. She cannot please any longer. It's even worse. She gained some knowledge which to the outsider can look dangerous because women should not possess this kind of knowledge. So what does society do? Society removes her to the woods. And she has to stay there because she offends the sight of our beautiful civilized society. So she has to stay in the woods and she waits to be found. And now it depends again, what is your intention? If you don't want to gain anything, things can get interesting. <clears throat> so let's let's think about these two sisters, about variations of the Vasilisa's story. So you would have this first girl, the step daughter, being sent to the woods. Uh, she doesn't have anything to gain. Things can go wonderful or very bad, depending how she's going to react. So she encounters this weird hut. She meets the weird old woman, but because she's innocent and she has a clean, great heart, she's not afraid because what she sees, she sees an old woman who may need some help. Mm -hmm. So in many variations of the story, she's going to be given something like heroic tasks. Mm -hmm. Right. These heroic tasks are adjusted to what we would see as a typical women's world, right? She's mostly going to clean and cook and tame and, 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 and tend animals, but there are still heroic tasks because uh, her tasks, her work is never going to be easy, but she approaches this work with tenderness, with patience, with open mind, and step by step, she's actually winning Baba Yaga's heart. Mm -hmm. So what Baba Yaga is going to give her are gifts. Uh, sometimes we can see these gifts as very, very weird. Uh, I remember reading one of the redemptions of the stories uh, when Baba Yaga awarded the girl with ability to produce a golden coin every time she speaks. Mm. <clears throat> yes. You see it as a sort of a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Something almost like King Midas there in a way. It's a yes. little weird. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She comes back home and the evil stepmother sees it. And she envies it. So she sends her own daughter. Somehow, mystically, magically, I believe this is because Baba Yaga wanted this justice being imposed on the world. The girl finds the house, but she's lazy, impatient. She doesn't want to do anything. She just wants to gain. She just wants the same gift. So when she's given all the tasks, she doesn't do this or she doesn't do it right. And Baba Yaga punishes her. And when she comes back home, every time she speaks, a toad is going to fall from her mouth, which is... It's not uh, quite as pleasant, is it? Not quite as pleasant, but it tells you something. Uh, Baba Yaga really... What she really did, uh, she imposed the justice on the world. And this is what is so important in the stories. Uh, Baba Yaga very often presented in 
folklore as your typical villain actually reveals herself in most of these tales as somebody who is maybe not good, but at least very, very just. Well, it's interesting. Yes, that's those are really good points. And um, a couple of things come to mind. Um, one of the things that I had found is, you know, before we were we began this discussion, as I was looking at uh, Marie-Louise von France, who's a Jungian, um, on this very story. Um, now, one of the things in this particular version of the story, uh, Vasilisa, when she, when Bob, when, when in her case, when, when the task is set up to her by Baba Yaga, um, she'll ask her, you know, clean this, cook this, or do this. And then what happens in the end is that um, Baba Yaga um, ends up, uh, you know, the, the threat is that if she doesn't do it, she's going to be eaten at the end of the day. So there's this motif of devouring, too, which is actually certainly part of the, um, the, the dark mother motif. Is this, That's the fear of being devoured. Um, but she always completes the task, and in her case, she actually has like a magical doll that her mother, who has passed away, her mother is now dead, and um, <clears throat> so she is able to um, complete all of these tasks. And when she tells Baba Yaga that her mother has blessed her, she doesn't tell her about the doll. And it's interesting. She, Baba Yaga, that's the other thing. Baba Yaga tells her, you don't ask me any questions. So you need to ask me questions. And she finally, so she asks, because that was the other thing. There was the three horsemen that she would see in this one. Mm -hmm. And they, they end up representing sort of um, morning, um, noon, and night. And so she asks Baba Yaga about that, but she also finds that when she was doing her task, that skeleton hands would appear and do things. But she didn't ask Baba Yaga about that. And Baba Yaga says to her, you are very wise to ask about what happens outside, but not what happens inside, which I thought was very interesting. Now, von Franz kind of um, concludes from the Baba Yaga story because, yes, it ends very, you know, she leaves, she gets what she came for. And, um, you know, Marie-Louise, she's comparing it to another story, because um, <clears throat> this is a whole theme about uh, taboos and about evil and about um, going into forbidden or hidden places. Um, are you doing it out of curiosity, or is it like your life circumstances have pushed you there? And she says we can conclude from this story that the Baba Yaga is not totally evil. She's ambiguous. She's light and dark, good and evil, though here the evil aspect may be stressed, or at least the one that we're frightened of, whether it's evil or not. And um, so I find I find that um, <clears throat> excuse me very very interesting the whole thing about her uh, you know and you know th this this notion of her as this kind of like you just said like she's somebody who you know like a bringer of justice but I also think of the Arrhenius you know they're they're the setters of boundaries they come they're these horrible women but they're also the Semnifei they're also the good goddesses you know. Mm -hmm. And so there's this um, sort of interplay here between, um, you know, it, it, it kind of really blurs that kind of lines. Beforehand, we were talking, you and I were talking a little bit about the idea of the liminal mm -hmm. and of being in different spaces and how uncomfortable that can be. Because typically people want, we, we kind of live in a culture where people kind of want to know what side they're on. Mm -hmm. And the line's really not there, is it? Not at all, and Baba Yaga really shows it because she has an ability to change. She can be whatever she really wants, but only for some time being. But there are moments in the year where she can be what she wants. Uh, Valpurgis night is one of these days, right? When all the 
witches in the West uh, congregated to celebrate. Uh, in Slavic culture, not only there are days, but also special places where you can still visit, where, which were famous for these congregations of Baba Yaga, Baba Yagas, uh, and women who would consider themselves followers. Uh, these followers, uh, women who would be considered witches, uh, but this is not the same word really. It, it's very, very hard to translate this meaning into English because witch is such a if you use this word, you really have a system of notions from the Western culture. Baba Yaga is a creature much more associated with nature than the Western Baba, uh, with the Western witch. She really is, her image is really, really strongly associated with some sort of medicine woman. Because if you enter this hut, what do you see? Uh, how Baba Yaga's magic, if there is magic at all, because she doesn't really cast spells. Uh, she makes things. And what do you see when you enter? So imagine you enter. Do you see a lot of light? Do you think that the place is well lit? Bridget, what do you think? It's, it's well lit? Um, I wouldn't think so. No, it's, it's dark, right? right? So you enter, it's dark. Uh, maybe there's a, like a ray of light coming from a very, very small window, right? Well, actually, in this version of the story, one of the things they talk about is that she's got all these skulls outside of her yes. house. <laughs> and the skulls are actually, at nighttime, the skulls actually are lit up from within. Yes, but the skulls are also things gathered from nature, right? Yes. Everything mm. there, everything in this house, when you look, maybe you see some herbs left to dry, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe there are some animals wandering around. Your typical cat would be there, right? right. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. uh, and in one version, at least that I had as a child, um, yeah, there was a black cat. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, and, and so the girl feeds the black cat, and then the black cat complains that Baba Yaga doesn't feed her, feed them the same way. So you know, let he let the girl go when he was supposed to not to scratch her eyes out or something. It was that. That's one of the versions. Yes, but maybe the cat is Baba Yaga herself. <clears throat> Could be because this is when she's testing a girl again on her good heart, right? Because mm -hmm. maybe the girl doesn't have that much to eat, but she would still share her food with the cat. Because this is what would be typical for Slavic fairy tales very often. Uh, when victory is not given to the strongest or to the smartest, as in many Western fairy tales, but very often victory would be given to the most compassionate. And it's not applied only to Baba Yaga's stories, but generally like to the your typical template of three brothers stories. Yeah. In Slavic fairy tales, it would be the youngest one, who is a simpleton, mm. who nobody really gives any chances of surviving in this specific situation. But he will win because on his way to his destination, to his heroic destination, he would share his food with a bear, with a bird. Maybe he's going to pet a wolf or something like this. So this is like the definition of Baba Yaga's story. I think there are very, why they should be, they, we, should, we, we should definitely bring them back because there are the ultimate uh, ecological stories. If you are good to Baba Yaga, 
she's going to be good to you. Because who Baba Yaga really is? Baba Baba Yaga is Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because she lives in this small hut in the middle of the woods. She's surrounded by animals. Animals are not afraid of her. Nature is not afraid of her. She doesn't do any harm to nature. She does harm to people whom she mostly recognizes as greedy, who are there to destroy her world. This is why when the girl comes and seeks no gain, maybe something weird like strawberries in February, uh, she's going to grant it because this is not of any danger to her. This girl is going to get it and go away and never come back. But if the king comes and he seeks something, there's always a possibility that he will come back with an army to gain her world and chop her woods. <laughs> so, <laughs> Which happens quite often, as we were just saying, about a lot of the primeval forests. Yes. Mm-hmm. So this is what she's not going to tolerate. And this is when she's going to summon nature to maybe attack the intruder or confuse them beyond imagination so they would never find a way out from the woods. So this ambiguity about Baba Yaga, that we very often see her in fairy tales, which were, in fact, mostly written down by men in uh, uh, patriarchal culture, seeing her as mostly evil, the ambiguity, the real ambiguity of these stories is about nature trying to protect itself. And there is the dangerous element, because if you ever been to the woods, you know that this is not all the picnic. No, and, and you can get lost, and there are... Um... Let me pull this closer so you can hear. Um, it, you can get lost. It, the, the woods are definitely, um, it can be a source of danger. I mean, they're very beautiful and they're very, you know, they're very potent in, in, in the life that's contained within them. But, you know, you could, you know, you could be fine or you could, you could be devoured by an animal that's from within. You could be lost. You know, all of these things could happen. Yes. So, in fact, all these stories they show us. Uh, And this is the beauty of old fairy tales, which are unfortunately not told like that any longer, because we want them all, you know, fluffy and, and safe and happy. Old fairy tales always told you this, that there is danger out there. So you better be careful. (laughs) Yeah, and that's actually a really, oops, sorry about that. Um, that was actually, that's actually a very good point because, um, yeah, because we, a lot of things have been sanitized these days. I was just thinking recently, this is only a very slight digression, but it's to your point. Um, there's a series of books. I think there's a movie out now, uh, called scary stories to tell in the dark. And it was the, the original ones. It was by Alvin Schwartz, who actually lives here in New Jersey, I think, or he did. And, um, the, the original illustrator was Stephen Gamble. And they went and they changed all of the illustrations because they said, no, no, we don't want these to frighten children. And I'm like, children actually need to be frightened. This is part of it. You need to be frightened. This is not just about, um, you know, uh, and that's kind of the point because we we are so dichotomized, you know, as you mentioned earlier, we have this sort of, um, <clears throat> Poland's a very Catholic country. Um, we've been talking about Ireland because I'm going there in a couple of days. Um, you know, how Ireland has been, although that seems to be breaking, that 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 whole um, Catholic hold seems to be breaking. But we're in a kind of Christian paradigm of good versus evil. 
And these stories do just transcend that paradigm. And it's the same thing with the Irish stories. One of the um, podcasts I plan to do after this one is on the Morrigan, and it's the same problem. All the stories of her turn her into something that's either um, overly sexualized or overly manipulative or overly malicious. There's something about her that comes across as very, very evil. And the fact is, no, that's not that's not what the sense of this is at all. And... Um, and Baba Yaga is another example. She's a very complex and ambiguous figure. She's not, um, and like we say, and like with Greek mythology and the other things that we teach, it's it's um, it's not so much that um, Baba Yaga is. Um, she's she kind of you know there's there's this sense that you know even with the deities it's like okay they're not either good nor evil they can do very good things for you but if they're not if, if under the right under certain circumstances they can also crush you. And they're not necessarily um, so devoted to you. Like, you know, you, you can do good. Your actions might be rewarded and they might not be, you know, in certain senses. Because that's the reality of how things are, I think. Yeah, this is, this is very important. And especially for people who lived outside civilization as we see it now. And they were at the mercy of nature. These stories really re reflect how they dealt with nature and how they understood nature. Uh, and everybody knows it from their own lives, that even in our civilized world, when we think that we control our lives, how, <laughs> right? Yeah, another great myth. Uh, things can go extremely wrong, even if you do things right. In these stories, because many of them, there are lessons how to behave in life. There are moral lessons, because mostly the good ones are judged by Baba Yaga as worthy and they are going to live. They give you a moral lesson in life, but sometimes things go wrong because of mistakes made, sometimes honest mistakes. Sometimes you are going to enrage Baba Yaga because mm -hmm. you say something and she's going to overreact because as mother nature, she cannot be controlled. Mm -hmm. And this is very important about her removal, I think, because civilized culture and especially uh, Christian culture that, as you just said, tends to see things uh, as polar uh, diatomy, does not, right. there is nothing in between, would remove somebody like Baba Yaga completely to the realm of evil while and trying to overlook the fact that she actually gives lessons and very often she's going to teach the same lessons which christianity would teach like be good right mm -hmm. be compassionate but for me also it's very very important when when she could be anything she chooses to be this old somehow repulsive creature in the woods because she can change to anything mm -hmm. why does she want to stay like that well that's a that's actually a very good question a very good you know insight there because i think um we tend to associate the old woman with wisdom 
okay? Mm-hmm. And there's that witchy aspect. You know, the, the witch is the person who, in different cultures, the, the word is interpreted different ways. But there's a sense of somebody who has a wisdom, a wisdom about the earth in particular. And as you know, one of my big things is always that we tend to devalue the earth when we get into a culture that makes everything about the celestial when heaven is placed in the sky. We tend to think of it um, as what's on the earth is something that's not very important. And And you just mentioned the mythologies before. The biblical myth is one that says that man has been given dominance over nature. And even if you're not a religious person, even if you're into the sciences, science to a certain degree also says the same thing. Like, you know, that there's, you know, we, we, we have the capacity to fix nature in some way. So, it, and it comes from the same idea, even though there's no God involved. So, you know, we, we, we kind of have this thing, and I, and I think these stories are so important in that they remind us that there are these feminine forces that we're not entirely comfortable with. Um, but nonetheless are there. And if you allow yourselves, and that's the thing too, order versus chaos. Like that's the way I tend to look at things is, is sort of like, um, the mythologies are about, you know, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with order. I mean, it's wonderful to have an orderly civilized cultural world, but there's this other side and we don't want to treat that other side. As soon as we start saying to the other side, okay, we banish you to the woods and we'll never have anything to do with you. Um, you know, that's, to me, that's not really living a full life. That's okay. not, that's not learning about um, the whole other side of what it means to be human. Oh, yes. And these forces are there not to stay. Because if you lived through a hurricane or if you lived, you know, I don't know, a power outage, you yeah. know, that's all this is still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just lurking and waiting to come back. Uh, yes, I remember living in New Jersey in the week after Hurricane Sandy oh, and yeah. no power for a week. And it changes you. No really. power for three weeks out here. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh my God. You guys had PSE&G. You were so much better off. <laughs> True. But I remember in my perfectly civilized world, uh, full of law-abiding citizen on day five, there's a brawl on my street with some men attacking PSNG guys, actually because they were restoring power in the wrong part of the town, according to them. So look at this. Uh, we are always on the verge of the woods. Yeah, uh, that's a great point. Yeah, so the woods are there, and this is why we are so eager as civilization to get rid of them uh, and get rid of Baba Yaga and push her even farther or even more maybe destroy her completely because we know that she's lurking. Mm-hmm. It's funny you mentioned that with Sandy. When we were out here, my neighbor next door and I, we actually went to go try to find a place to get breakfast because we had no power. And literally any place that was open, people were like practically choking each other over getting a cup of coffee. It's it's there. And and that's that's actually to Jung's point, because Jung is trying to say, you know, the, the brighter the light, the darker the shadow. And the more that we think that we've got this civilized, pure, clean, you know, that, that we know how things are, you know, we have all these things that tell us how things are. And then, like I said, as soon as as soon as one mechanism of your civilization, your power goes out, you know, you um, you lose all of these things. It's like you go right back to your to that nature, that animalistic nature of I'm going to get what's mine, and then you know, and what's underneath, and to try to pretend that that's not what's there. I mean, that's um, 
that's that's the redeemed soul, isn't it? That's the person who says, um, you know, I've, I've, I, I was a bad person, but I was saved from all that. I'm like, no, you just let it go underground. And when the right circumstances, it'll pop back up again. Um, that's certainly... I remember when I was, I went to Montclair years ago and when Dr. Stephen Johnson was there, that was one of the things that he had said that both Freud and Jung would probably say. They say, well, that's, that's admirable that you've cleaned your act up, but, uh, but don't assume that, uh, the, but, but the devil has actually taken over. So please, uh, please remember that. <laughs> yes. And modern culture would actually so eagerly associate, uh, characters like Baba Yaga with total darkness or with evil or yes. with devil, even with devil, there's this devilish kind of notion about her. Uh, but as I see it, uh, she's really a modern character in many ways uh, because she's this creature of the boundary and something that cannot be defined. This is why it's so hard to talk about Baba Yaga. Uh, first of all, because Slavic mythology, Slavic stories were really not written down. And when they come back to us, they're already laced by Christianity very, very strongly. Even in Vasilisa's story that you are quoting, there is a very, very strong notion yes. that uh, the doll was blessed, right? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. in a way, this blessed doll uh, is helping a girl against Baba Yaga. Well, there's Vladimir Props, you know, magical helper there. You know? Yes, magical helper, but this helper turns out to be associated with ultimate light. Right, right. Angelic in a way. Yes, angelic in a way. So it's like the angels are protecting the girl from the Baba Yaga, but they also in a way respect her. Mm -hmm. Right? It's like, don't go there. So this is like this lightness needs this darkness. It does. Mm -hmm. Recognizing its importance in the balance of the world. Because for me, Baba Yaga is really about the balance. Mm -hmm. uh, she's the most balanced character in all the stories. Uh, she really embodies human nature. Not only the balance of the world, but who we really are. Because nobody is really either or, right? There That's is right. everything in us. And you don't have to be a woman to, in a way, identify with some versions of Baba Yaga, right? Well, sure, because if she's part of the sort of archetypal feminine, I mean, men and women both have that. Yes. Mm -hmm. So what she does, she lives in the woods. She really minds her business. And here people show up at her door and they want things from her, like expecting her to do things. Mm -hmm. And because... Um, she doesn't like this, I think, that people expect things from her, like people expect things from nature, expect things from the earth, right? If you cultivate, you expect harvest, sometimes well, you're mm -hmm. not going to get anything for your work, right? So this is what she is. She's the ultimate instability, the truth about life. Uh, you cannot really count on anything here. It's, she can be in a good mood, she can be in a bad mood, you can do your best, but so what? Absolutely. That, that's actually a great thought to kind of end on because it's, um, and, and, that's, and that's sort of the point I think I was making as well with, with a lot of the other things I did that you have these goddesses. And, and that's, that, that's one of the reasons that people have a difficult time understanding Greek religion, for example, or ancient religion in general is just the idea of, well, but, you know, but there, you know, I mean, there's an ethical component to it, but it's, it's different. 
it's more about, um, like you said, there's this inflection towards the good. And it's just kind of like, you know, the reality is that it's not either and it can go either way and it's totally unpredictable. And we just like to pretend that it's not. Yeah. Especially in Christian environment, I would say, when you have a figure of a woman who has to be a Catholic, I'm saying, both a virgin and a mother, and she's the ultimate light. And and she's chaste and she's pure. and yeah. Yes, and mm-hmm. she's infinitely compassionate and humble and gracious and loving. Uh, a character like Baba Yaga really must come to a scene to to really to make the portrait complete, because this is uh, not really the realistic form of femininity. <laughs> no, it's not. You're right. It's that's actually the Virgin Mary formula is sort of a very a very limiting one, and the expectation that that's what women are supposed to live up to mm-hmm. is just it's not realistic for anybody. It's I mean it's 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 an aspect of things. Okay, it's an aspect that you can personify in that manner, but it's just one aspect. I mean, there's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with being compassionate. Obviously, mm-hmm. nothing wrong with being humble. Nothing wrong with but we are not always like that and that's not our nature and if we walk around all the time pretending that's what we are well well we're not <laughs> yes mm-hmm. so. and this is why i think baba yaga chooses the form the old but not only just old because if we associate wisdom with the old wouldn't it be okay if she just looked like a nice grandmother right right why 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 the neg- why the why the scary part why the scary part yeah well and and that kind of goes back to the whole idea of um the, this dark feminine as we want to call it this this dark in terms of hidden um hidden away or, or whatever is it, that's one of the aspects of it is that it's it is devouring or that it is it has the potential to do harm to us we want something that is just going to be pleasant to us and you know we like the idea of the mother who will soothe us when we're unhappy and and so forth and the one who just says to us hey pfft, this is what it is you know work with it um and you know and cracks the whip you know we don't want that you know and um and and that's not what patriarchal culture wants either and that's and and i've always i've always been fascinated by that i'm like we are so threatened by that that we really need to kind of we need to clamp down on it you know as a civilization and i'm like you know what i think this is why we have a lot of the cultural problems we have today it's why we don't respect the earth it's why we don't um and it's not even just how people treat women for example it's just how we treat anything that's other it's just kind of like anything that makes me uncomfortable, um, you know, I, it needs to be gotten rid of. And that's not how it works. Yes, I completely agree that the Baba Yaga is the ultimate other of the culture. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about centuries before regular medical care, uh, if you think about fairy tales, the typical Western fairy tales, you always have a widower with a daughter. Oh, Cinderella, Snow White, right? Mm -hmm. Many others. He remarries. And it made you wonder what happened to all these mothers in fairy tales, right? Like, why why are they always widowers in fairy tales? Because we know in 21st century that women tend to live slightly longer than men. So what happened to all the mothers? Uh, Till 19th century, I guess, every child, every eighth, childbirth and and in death yep so what happened to all these mothers they probably died 
in while childbirth. giving birth. Mm -hmm. It was a very, very dangerous business. So when we had this old woman in the stories, and she's still alive, something must be wrong with her. <laughs> I hadn't actually thought of that aspect of it, but that's a very good point. Yes. What did she do that she survived till this old age, right? She must know some magic. That's yeah, that's that's a very good point actually about age. It really is. And and um and, and the reason that, one of the reasons that um I mean, yeah, there's certainly the aspect of she's no longer desirous in the same way as an old woman. Um, but the knowledge that she has is something that's like that's sort of like the, the gift that she has, and people don't always always respect that. You mentioned too, dying in childbirth, and that's also um another theme when it comes to these things about women who die. Um I mean, in that case, the child is still produced, but there's a whole theme of, you know, women who die when they're before their time or while they're trying to give birth. It's like while they're in that state, they, you know, um, and in, in some traditions, then they become almost like the restless dead because they're, you know, although in these traditions, probably, you know, because they were the good mothers fulfilling their duty, they probably, you know, went to heaven or, or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But there's this idea of, um, but then the child that's left behind is kind of left in a liminal state. Yes, but they also come in the form of some protective spirits to take care of the children, right? right. Like, right, they have almost uh -huh. an angelic or intermediary function. Yes, because yeah. there are so many stories when the girl is left as an orphan, but the mother would still come back and take care in some sort of the angelic apparition, mm -hmm. right? Right. With mm -hmm. Baba Yaga, now when I'm thinking about it, I cannot really think about children. Mm -hmm. So not only she's weird because she lived through this absolutely unnatural old age, but she's also strange because she doesn't seem to have children, which is unacceptable to a In woman. In that country, right. Mm -hmm. So she was, she was not like fulfilling her natural duty in the right way, producing offsprings and grandchildren. So maybe this is why she's so removed but at the same time, paradoxically, while she doesn't have her own children, she seems to be a mother to everyone. However, this mother is not, again, fulfilling the expectations of being a perfect mother, like Virgin Mary. She's the mother, like more the mother we all know, right? The mother who is more, more about disciplining you yeah. and, and having you grow in the right way rather than just... Um you know, um, being soothing or nurturing, you know, or, I mean, it is a form of nurturing. Mm -hmm. It's just not yes. a form of nurturing that's, um, you know, it's not, it, it's not, it, it's, it's, it's the more unpleasant kind. No, it's sometimes that her forms of disciplining her children seems excessive, mm -hmm. but again, it can seem excessive to us now, right? Right. Maybe it was not excessive, let's say in 17th, 18th century. After all, we know all this Brothers Grimm stories, right? How excessive oh, yeah. punishment is there or how excessive measure people would take by themselves. How nature could be cruel. If you think about the ending of, you know, Sweet Cinderella story, uh, which ends in Disney version in the wedding scene. That's right. Prince Charming, happily ever after. Yes, but the birds coming and plucking the eyes of the stepsisters, right? Mm -hmm. The nature coming to claim its own from the greedy ones. Right. 
mm -hmm. because it is always about balance with Baba Yaga. Don't disturb the balance. Only if they would come and get rid of some of the greedy people today. Tell you. <laughs> right? <laughs> I tell you. So. Okay, well, we've gone to almost to an hour here, so I'm probably going to um, stop it at this point. But um, thank you, Joanna. I really want to say, you know, I appreciate you... Um, uh, coming in and taking the time with me today. This was really a great conversation. Thank you, Bridget. You know, I can talk like this forever. <laughs> <laughs> we could. We could We could burn this into a four-hour podcast. Um, but so for now, I'm just going to say uh, thanks for listening again. Um, I just wanted to um, remind people that I have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash Chthonia. Uh, you can look at all of my work on chthonia.net. Um, you can also listen to the entire podcast series there. Uh, you can subscribe via iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and also um, at metapsychosis.com slash uh, series slash Chthonia. Uh, all these links will be on the YouTube version of this. Um, but also just to, you know, definitely check those out. I want to give a big shout out to my patrons and say thanks very much for your support. And we'll talk in the next episode.